Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore podcast. My name is Jeff, and I'm joined as always by my good friends Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. Richard and Michael debate and deliberate the Mount Rushmore of many uh, topics, and uh, that's what they do on this podcast. They also do it in cinema. They also do it on television. They also do it in comics. They do it on radio. <laughs> they do it on fanfic. Uh, they have interpretive poetry and a uh, live Broadway show in which they do mm -hmm. it. There is an extended universe attached to this podcast in which they are always arguing about some topic. Well, I'll be, that's the topic uh, for this week's episode, the Mount Rushmore of extended universes. But we did not have the brain genius to think up this topic. It was uh, my good buddy, uh, comedian and uh, witty man, uh, Jim Coughlin. Welcome, Jim. How are you? Good. I'm feeling good. Good, yeah. good. What made you uh, come up with this topic to discuss with us? It, it occurred to me that there are extended universes that we don't think of as extended universes. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, that's that piques our interest because I know there's the ones that we uh, may come up with right away because they come at us fast and furious whenever we um, look at media and turn on um, the television and whatever. And then there's those other things that are permeate permeate all around us we might not even realize so all right so what we're going to jump right into the topic jim you are our guest so you will go first with your mount first mount rushmore of extended universes what is it okay it's the all in the family archie bunker extended universe oh wow the is it the bunker verse what is yes. this oh okay. i like that even better okay okay yeah, wow sure. so where how does this permeate how does one uh, encounter this well, I don't think there's any films. So I think it's just TV series. Okay. But you've got All in the Family. I'm sure Cedric the Entertainer is going to have a movie of it or something like that. Well, soon. that could yeah. be. Yeah, too. Okay. But, but I'm thinking, in this case, I'm thinking the original okay. uh, launched Down you know, so All in the Family. I didn't actually write, write them all up, but I know it's Maud, um, from which we get, I think, uh, is it Good Times? I think it's Good Times. Uh-huh. Some of these might I might need to correct, but Maud, uh, the Jeffersons. Okay. Um, of course, there was uh, uh, after on the family it was Archie, Archie Bunker's, Bunker's place. place. Yep. And I Danielle, don't even know if, yeah. Danielle Brisbois, my first crush, uh, Daniel Brisbois with his, I think his niece or something in that. So yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And um, one I don't even know if it's oh I guess there was one called Checking In. Uh, Gloria, which had 21 episodes, um, 704 Hauser. These are some of these are ones I'm not even familiar with. What is 704? We don't know. Uh, this is uh, an African American family moves into the house formerly occupied by Archie Bunker. Oh, wow! So that's one. Um, one that is not on any of these lists, but I do remember it is that uh, there was a show called ER, not uh -huh. the one you're thinking of. Okay. Another one. I think it had a slash, but anyway, ER. It was a sitcom with George Clooney in it. Whoa, that's weird. So, and um, our, uh, uh, George Jefferson visited his niece who was working at the ER. Wow. So, so that's then technically it's... tied in. Yeah. And some of these may be way more extended in ways that I haven't thought of, where, you know, a character would do a guest. Yeah. Uh, on another sitcom that wasn't maybe created by Norman Lear. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, maybe so, so at least seven, eight shows. Meathead was uh, flying a prop engine plane that landed on Gil the animated Gilligan's Island. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. Wow. Way to come out swinging with the unexpected extended universe. Uh, it's not something you probably will find on T-shirts at Hot Topic, I think, the, the bunker verse. <laughs> Well, that's a lot of fun. Were you an original consumer of these uh, uh, series or some of them back in the day? Yeah, I think, you know, there's it's possible it was just reruns. But no, I think I was watching some of these live. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely wasn't appreciating all the humor of all of them, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, All in the Family for sure, Jefferson's. Oh, I, you know, yeah. I was just thinking of a crazy moment I had. I have a friend who owns the, the um, China cabinet from the Jefferson's. <laughs> They sold it. They sold it at the prop. They sold their props. They did. Okay. Yeah. And he lives in Las Vegas and he's crazy and he has TVs running all the time. 
Okay. <laughs> and we come home with his sister. His sister was living with him and she did not quite understand why he owned all this crap. Okay. <laughs> we come home. It's the opening of the Jeffersons. It's on the TV. Yeah. The the China cabinet is in the opening scene about three or four times in the in the during the music, you know, the, the theme yeah. song. So he's just pointing at the TV, going, oh, pointing at his own China cabinet. Oh, <laughs> back and forth, back and forth. And it has a little tape on the top that says the Jeffersons from, from the property. <laughs> did so, she think he anyway. was having an aneurysm or did she actually put it together? <laughs> I think she figured it out. Yeah. But, wow. Does yeah. he have the TVs running? All the time just to uh authenticate and validate the no, the furnishings he has in his home oh, okay okay wow uh i would actually one thing i find fascinating about television groundbreaking television as all in the family was it dealt yeah. with topics um that weren't being addressed in prime time and it had great performances and it kind of broke a lot of the rules of uh sitcom is that there's always some drek that gets made from that thing. There's the innovative thing. Yeah. And then there's that uh, formula that's, get, it's not even the formula, just like the popularity and the the brand just, yeah. it's watered down and ugh, ugh. Even maybe, maybe you could give it some credit that it led to married with children because mm -hmm. they talked about things that had never been talked about. You know, they flushed the first toilet. Yeah. You know? Um, you know, there was a famous debate between Norman Lear and maybe somebody else and Bill Cosby mm. and about the fact that he felt Archie Bunker never apologized. Uh -huh. You know, we see all these racist things. And I went to college with a guy who loved Archie Bunker and not ironically. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. He's just a fucking racist. Yeah. And um, anyway, uh, I think Bill Cosby lost that argument when he went to prison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of things that I think he he lost the uh, with it, yeah Eddie Murphy uh, uh, yeah. very very uh, uh, defiantly made that point on SNL. Here's this guy who was t telling him what uh, America needed to hear and didn't need to hear and and how he should behave. Did your by the way Jim? Did your friend who bought the Jefferson the the the, the Jefferson yeah. set piece? Um, did does he also have a sassy housekeeper? If not. Would you consider one? Are you are you offering your own services? Um, perhaps. What are what, what are you, the benefits? You know, yeah, well, he he is a complete and total pack rat, but it's all a, mostly very cool stuff. Hmm. And he owns two houses at least, one next to each other, and one is his main where he lives, and then he rents out the other one, but it's also filled with his stuff. Yeah. Wow, I, that would be amazing to see the ad like uh, three three bedroom, two bath, one laugh track going all the time. <laughs> all right, yeah. uh, Richard and Michael, what is your first choice? Uh, I'll go first, and it is uh, specifically the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Cool, awesome. Um, you know, I and I think that I I in thinking about this. I went with the cinematic universe specifically because within the show, there are varying degrees of comic book knowledge. I have very little. Um, I, I have read some comic books over the years, but wasn't really a comic book aficionado. Um, versus Jeff and Michael, who grew up reading comic books, are real, still really into comic books and know a lot about the backstories and histories of characters. And I think what's special about the cinematic universe is the way they've been able to create this world that exists that can be appreciated by someone like me who has comes into it with little knowledge, but also satisfies the hardcore fans who are looking for all of these deep connections and these callbacks to uh, characters and storylines from the comics. And I just think they, they get that right. And I think that's, it's such a delicate tightrope to walk. And I think they, Kevin Feige and everyone involved with it just do an amazing job with it movie after movie and now going into TV shows. Jim, was that something you considered? Yes. Um, I, I do. Can, can I get negative a little bit? Just uh, a yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah Finally controversy. All right. All right. So, I mean, they're, they're, that, that's clearly going to be in the George Washington place on this Mount Rushmore. Probably. Probably. But let me suggest the idea that superheroes are bad uh, starting places for extended universes. 
because to me, and I'm going to talk about Superman, who I know is the wrong wrong universe, but still, <laughs> just somebody I can talk about a little bit faster. Superman. Okay, you got this guy. It's there's a planet. It gets destroyed. They send the baby. He lands. He's got superpowers, and he's a superhero, and he can stop all these things. That is really hard to believe, right? So you have to buy in that. Oh, there's this planet it was being destroyed, blah, 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 and he has these superpowers, and he can save everybody. And also, there's a second guy who also has these incredible powers because he was bit by a radioactive spider. And there's a third guy who, <laughs> you know, or in the Marvel universe. Oh, oh, and by the way, there's one Norse god who's real. Okay, there's a bunch of them, but one of them came across a bridge or something. I don't know. You know, and it's like, how does it all add together to a cohesive, you know? I think that was I think that was one of the things that has really worked with like the the marvel movies is that you know the beginning of them they started with what they had considered really kind of like a kind of a bt b tier character no offense to your uh, tattoo uh jeff <sighs> with uh with iron man where iron man even though he has been around for you know up you know from 1961 or 1962 he wasn't spider-man Spider-Man, or he wasn't the X-Men. He wasn't uh, the number one character you think of from the comic books. And they built him with kind of a quasi-believable character. They had a very charismatic guy playing him. And like his humor and the way that it was written really kind of set the template. Um, and I think that's where like the DC films saw how successful they were, even though they had such huge successes with like various Batman franchise and Superman franchise. Like they had so many, I think the, the problem is, is like, like you said, Superman as a character is way too powerful when he can fly around the world and turn, turn back time by himself. And then he's standing next to a guy in a bat suit and it's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, Coughlin, um, are you saying that there was, what what a strange coincidence that's this there's one sideshow freak after another and they're all walking yeah. through manhattan is that what it is yeah and i yeah. also think it, it it i mean i'm partly joking but i also think that that's why i enjoy the single movies like iron man was a great movie you know but then when it gets to where there's like 15 of these people and they throw each other through skyscrapers and you don't think that killed them and it didn't kill them and they keep fighting uh. You know, mm -hmm. but also just the fact that, yeah, I, I liked um, Ant-Man or, you know. Yeah. And I, th I think I think what they were successful at and continue to be is that they tell individual stories and that there's also someone that has like a cohesive plan for what's happening three years down the line or five years down the line. Same thing with like their TV series. Like um, I watched a little bit of like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and. It was fine. It wasn't wasn't my favorite, you know, but like they had enough, like Richard said, that kind of pulled in kind of more nerdier guys and, you know, kept it as kind of like a, you know, episodic serialized TV show. They have enough that, uh, you know, they have enough toys in the sandbox to kind of do a lot of things, but then fail a little bit, like with like the Inhumans TV series or like some things they're like, yeah. It didn't work. And then they just move along. Oh, yeah. They did <laughs> yeah. they didn't they didn't have everything riding on one thing failing. And I think you look at like the DC films and they're just trying to hmm, kind of hold on to like the tailwinds of whatever Marvel's doing while also trying to do the exact opposite and make it dark and gritty and whatever. And it's just not no one no one cares. Yeah, where have the DC movies succeeded? in my opinion, have been the ones that have not tried to be dark and gritty. It's been the more kind of fun ones like uh, Aquaman or Shazam mm -hmm. or the first Wonder Woman. Yeah, I I do. I think I agree with, for me, stakes are a challenging uh, attribute to maintain across the dimension of a franchise. Because if the world's, if the universe is at stake in every movie, the audience gets fatigued. And I think Marvel does a good job in its extended universe of allowing the hero's world to be at stake. And that could be Hell's Kitchen, 
It could be Brooklyn. It could be Asgard. It could be Midgard. It could be Wakanda. Uh, Ant, Ant, it could be Wakanda. It could be an ant colony. <laughs> that that place is uh, is being threatened, but it's not always everything all the time. So I, I love the fact that um, uh, we brought up the MCU because um, I I'm just amazed at how tidy that universe is. I think of other. Uh, universes such as um, say Doctor Who in which your lead guy changes every two seasons and, <laughs> and we've had through 30 different backstories for Cybermen and Daleks and things like that and I, I know MCU has if you delve, delve into the comics and things like that there are all these you know, reboots and uh, uh, retcons and things like that but the fact that the, the three ring circus uh, that the MCU consists of is going all the time and and characters go in and out of one ring and into another and there aren't too many fatality <laughs> in in all the traffic patterns so all right cool choice uh can i, can I say yeah. now isn't it also true I, I think it was a great point about the 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 fact that they have this overarching stories that they've really thought about a lot obviously isn't it true that like wonder woman 84 contradicts a lot of the stuff set up in the first wonder woman movie Right, that I'm not that an movie expert was, on. Yeah, I don't know. That movie was just kind of a mess. I mean, in other words, <laughs> I, yeah. Anyway, but, I, but as, I guess that's just would be an example of where uh, DC didn't quite think ahead. I would say, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know what? I I think it's funny because it's because whenever I judge w one of the aspects of the MCU is it is um, it is based on compelling source material. The reason Marvel Studios exists is because Marvel Comics exist and there's a large fan base that can be marketed to. So if one were to disp dispose of all the source material, you would be doing a disservice and you'd be going counter to what the value, inherent value of the MCU is. But if you adhered religiously to it and did not adapt it to make it more cinematic, you're an idiot there too. So I can see the value in changing when you need to change. And then I can also uh, see the folly in being a, a film goer who gets on this roller coaster, hopped up on sugar and snacks and all these things, expecting to see a confectionery. It's not a fine gourmet meal, it's a confectionery. And if you point out this little flaw or that little flaw, you're doing it all wrong, right? But then it seems like some of the soul of, of DC is what gets re... I don't know. It seems like the, some of the soul of who Wonder Woman was just got thrown away in that second movie, in my opinion. Shall we move on to Richard... Uh, sorry, Jim's second second choice? Oh, we're up to me again. Okay. Yes, sir. All right. Um well, I should have gotten, given this more thought, and I bet you guys can fill in on any of the ones I throw out. But I think Star Wars- I've heard uh, of it. Would, would be uh, yeah. on that list there. Um, you've got what? So far you have nine of the the main movies, right? And then those, these newer inter-movies mm -hmm. and uh, the TV shows I never really watched, but yeah, so that's it, Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, I, we, there's the animated, then yeah. there's the um, uh, DirecTV, or I'm sorry, the <laughs> Disney Plus stuff. Yeah. Um, oh, what, yeah, Mandalorian. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find any tonal differences? So if this is a universe, an extended universe, do the neighborhoods in this universe or the galaxies in this universe feel different to you, Jim, or do they feel kind of all, all in one? I would say the movies, the movies at least, which is, and, and Mandalorian, pretty consistent yeah i would say so and yeah. mandalorian i think looks looks the same it's got the same sort of wipes and stuff that star wars has mm -hmm. um yeah uh the cartoons or, or the or the sort of different types of animated probably less so but i don't i don't know yeah i think star wars is interesting uh in that it has had so many phases of having so many different versions of having an extended universe you know, after the first uh three original movies you know they didn't really they 
they kind of shut down for a decade in a way that you they weren't very popular. You know, they had like the droids and they had the Ewok adventures kind of cartoons and the Ewok live action movies. And those are, you know, part of their universe. And then they started putting out like novels and it was like the novels based on what happened, you know, five years after Return of the Jedi. And that went on for 15, 20 years with, you know, a really deep extended universe of Star Wars stuff about, you know, Leia and Han getting married and having twins and then another child and then Luke doing all this stuff. And all the stuff that was happening was like really real for a lot of people. It was like, this is what happened. And then George Lucas came back and he put the prequels out and it was like, oh, this is totally different. And then all the Clone War stuff. And then the new Disney uh, sequels came out and just they're like, okay, whatever happened in the books is gone. Right. So they've had like these yeah. ups and downs of like these extended universes that b- kind of were moved into like a subcategory of like legends and like these tales of things that yeah. maybe could have happened, but don't didn't really happen. And I think that was a fan base that has had like this weird um, invested culture for 40, almost 50 years now um, that has stuff that's just like wiped away. That is just like, well, that didn't actually happen. You spent all this time reading and enjoying these particular stories or these this aspect of this character. And then it's like, well, but not really. And then it, it it's just very interesting how, you know, uh, someone becomes the new landlord and all the plumbing gets replaced and all the cabinets get replaced and a new paint job. And you're like, that, that, it's not quite the same house that I used to <laughs> lived in for 20 years. How, what is this? If we are considering a, a universes to be extended by virtue of character crossovers, uh, I found a f- couple of uh, fun listicles uh, online in which we've seen R2-D2 pop up in other films. Um, and I mm. think it's probably uh, motivated either by uh those films being produced by George Lucas or also those films being uh, 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 um, embellished with effect sequences from Industrial Light and Magic. Um, but R2 shows up in Close Encounters. He shows up in um, both of the Abrams uh, Star Trek films. Um, R2 has shown up in some Marvel films. He's shown up in uh, Indiana Jones. So, uh, you know, I don't know if that uh, extends the universe. <laughs> <laughs> the the Star Wars universe in that way. Yeah, another one off of that is that E.T. appears in Star Wars. Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, some alien crossover. Uh, I think Star Wars also, you know, we didn't talk about it that much, like uh, um, Marvel produced the Star Wars comic way back in the day. And, of course, we've seen, um, you know, Star Wars to appear very there's there there are people who know star wars more profoundly from a battlefront and other games mm-hmm. than even the film so um there's a lot of gaming uh uh rebel wing what's what's x-wing squadron rebel squad i forget what they, oh man it's the... beautiful to watch you fumble this <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like someone just did the most beautiful pass and you're just yeah. and you're you're calling it the facebook so yeah uh, i feel like the cop saying are you guys on popped up on goofballs like <laughs> are you on the drugs are you on the drugs what what are the names of the games winfield oh like uh x-wing rogue squadron and then uh I don't know. I don't play them. So okay. I just, all right, all right. I just, I just want to take a shot at you, my friend. I appreciate it. I deserve it. Okay. So let's go with uh man, Freddie and Winfield's second choice. Um, our second choice is obviously the um, green Gable verse with what? all of the, no, I'm kidding. Of course. <laughs> oh, man. And it was just the um, beginning. It is something that I, whenever we talk about uh, Matt Rushmore's, I have a certain love affair for things that have failed and Mount Rushmore to me isn't always necessarily the best thing, but it's something that is indicative of uh, whatever topic we're talking about. And of course, one of my favorite things to Josh about is just the dark universe. Oh yeah. And it is like the attempted reboot 
of like the classic universal monster movie yeah. uh, characters in like, you know, a 2015, 2020 setting. Mm-hmm. Um, the first movie, they've only had three movies that are technically under like this dark universe banner. I wish Jeff, you would edit some uh, lightning crashing maybe <laughs> over there. Um, but it was like Dracula untold some crappy new Dracula movie that I haven't seen. And then it was uh, Tom Cruise led The Mummy, which I haven't seen. And then last year's um, The Invisible Man, which is apparently pretty good. And I didn't realize that was part of like this whole continued dark universe. I thought it was just like a new version of yeah, a newer, a newer take on The Invisible Man using, you know, mm-hmm. whatever new technology and, and whatnot. But, um, you know, there was from the 1930s the universal monsters would often cross over yeah. you know dracula would meet frankenstein and the wolfman would meet dracula's bride and, yeah, <laughs> and having costello would meet all these guys too um and then you know they've been so many different um frankenstein and mummy and wolfman and dracula movies and so i can understand the impetus to be like okay let's let's get them all in the same universe and tell a cohesive story. But I don't think they'll, I don't think they'll do that in the way that, you know, as we kind of referred to Marvel is this template of being able to do it so well. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I think it's just too hard. I think that the, the classic universal monsters, I don't know. I think they're just their own thing. I think you're just not going to, you're not going to get a great retelling that also has the characters cross over and be, you know, someone they're both in each other's movies and all that stuff. And I think it's just this, they're setting themselves up for just this colossal failure. And if you look at like the upcoming movies, it's like Renfield. Do we need to see a Renfield origin story? Yeah. I don't know. Probably not. Only if it's Tom Waits. Yeah. (laughs) Only the Tom Waits. (laughs) That's the only one I care about. You know, they're going to do a new Frankenstein, Invisible Woman with Elizabeth Banks, a uh, a Monster Mash, Bride of Frankenstein. Like they have all this stuff that's like in the pipeline. And all I can think of is just like, or we can just go back and watch the old ones and it's going to be fine. And they don't have to hold hands. They don't have to go arm in arm. And one thing that happens in one movie doesn't have to make sense in the other. And it's okay because these characters are like just ingrained in our psyches at this point. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I love the idea of just this being this, uh, such a colossal failure. Yeah. It was May 22nd, 2017. A colossal failure is coming out in 2022. <laughs> and it's just, it's just a giant guy that is, is awful. Um, they tweeted out a, a photo that looked like a, a kind of an Annie Leibovitz uh, special uh, kind of hack job of, of Russell Crowe, Javier Bardem, oh. Sophie Boutella, Depp, and Cruz all together, not really together, but together on the sound. And, and just the kind of audacity of that um, just made me think, just like any monster movie, you, you know this creature's f- fated to, to suffer a miserable fate from the very beginning. Um, I, who is I Johnny Depp supposed to be? Uh, I'm looking down the list. Oh, God, is he going to be like Frankenstein's or Dr. Frankenstein? Yeah, who Probably. was Depp? Um, I don't know. Was he? He wasn't the Wolfman or something. Who was he? Uh, but didn't they? I don't know. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it seemed, uh, there's something a little bit audacious about that. Um, um, yeah. And I also feel like the original ensemble of Universal Monsters was a kind of haphazard it's almost like saying the Warner Brothers gangsters. They just they just happen to make good gangster movies. They weren't they weren't a, a clubhouse. They weren't all hanging around together at first, and they kind of in hindsight were were put together as a universe. So, all right. So we are at our halftime at this point. I'm going to encourage Mr. Jim Coughlin to uh, avail the audience of where they might uh, uh, sample his wares uh, on social media or in live shows or both or neither. Sure, sure. Well, if they're, you know, if they've got deep pockets, they've got money burning a hole in their pocket, they can go to my website, which is my name, J-I-M, Jim, Coughlin, C-O-U-G-H-L-I-N.com, and they could order my album, 
which is a little off the top of my head. Or they can save a little bit of money and listen to it any which way they want. Uh, it's on Amazon Music, iTunes, and probably some others that I can't think of at the moment. Um, yeah. I, I would say to anyone who is asking themselves, why the heck should I spend my hard-earned money or time and listen to Jim Coughlin? I would say uh, this guy every day on social media posts a one-liner that is, um, uh, I, I would say something that you might find in like a Thurber, like a, a, a James Thurber thing, or like Bertrand Russell. There, there's stuff that's like very, very wry. Um, um, but like just even just today, um, John Wilkes Booth never acted again, thanks to cancel culture. <laughs> I mean, just, just very timely and wry and hilarious and uh, usually thinkers. So yeah. um, how often do you post on social these kind of witticisms? A couple, usually a couple times a day. Uh, I was there was a weird part where the where Trump was no longer in office and it takes you a little bit of, of bearings. <laughs> you know, uh -huh. refocus, but yeah, no, pretty much every day. Um, the album is, is definitely funny stuff. It's not just, you know, what I thought of that day. Um, it's more like 10 years of stuff and they can, you know, again, you can listen to, I think, I think actually right now you can go to YouTube and, and search for a little off the top of my head and my name and they give you a sample of, of it and stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I love, uh, I love throwing out whatever I think of onto Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, well, it's, as a as, aspiring, sometimes aspiring comic, it's uh, the joke construction is something that I always marvel at too. There's always, it's a, uh, it's really tough to make it look easy, and then as you do, and then kind of have it uh, realize how com how complicated those words are. Those jokes are. No word could be out in any other order, or wouldn't it wouldn't work. I don't think. Um, but but you can also. Uh, you know, after you're done listening to Jim's uh, work, you can go back and listen to some of our past episodes on any uh, place you get podcasts. You could leave a rating for them. You could leave a review on them. We would enjoy both. So that would do us a huge solid if you did that. Yeah. And uh, now let's go back to uh, our friend Jim Coughlin and hear his third choice of uh, that, which uh, is a extended universe and should be on the Mount Rushmore of. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I had thought of the Universal Pictures, the classic. I, I didn't myself think of The Invisible Man as tied into that. But the original, you know, just because you did have the monsters all meet each other, and then you, as you said, Evan Costello. But I'm, I'm going to go further out and think about uh, a bunch of good movies that are connected in a fictional world by, by one tiny little link. And I'm stretching it a bit here. But the John Landis See You Next oh. Wednesday Extended Universe. Oh, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. So, you know, there's a very filthy saying, See You Next Tuesday, which is yes. a way to call somebody the C word. <laughs> but I think it's unrelated. He, he threw in a movie poster, I think, in Schlock for See You Next Wednesday. And then he has put that those movie posters or some scene from the movie, et cetera, et cetera, in almost every movie he ever has mm -hmm. done. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was watching um, Coming to America because there's a new one coming out, uh, the sequel. And in Coming to America, not only does he have the movie poster for See You Next Wednesday, uh, but he also has um, the two millionaires from Trading uh. Is, oh, that's wonderful! Uh, in the in the gutter, Eddie Murphy's new character ends up uh, giving them money. You know. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So anyway, I, that's that's it. Um, I I read Landis's. Uh, I think it was his autobiography. He talked. He, I think he said "See You Next Wednesday" was the proposed name for the adult film that he was going to. Oh, that's what it was. Uh, okay. okay. Yeah. Produced to uh, that was shut down. Uh, by some very friendly mafioso who told them that they were in charge of all the adult films <laughs> and that were he to make one, he would uh, maybe run afoul right. of some some um, uh, well-connected men. But so that I think it's his kind of tribute to this uh, thing that never was. Never was. <laughs> well, you know, in apparently in an American werewolf in London, 
it is see you next wednesday is a porn film oh yeah 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 so i think that was the manifestation i think it's on the billboard uh in blues brothers that some cars go through or something like that or yeah yeah Yeah. all over well that's fun that's that's a that's a it, it is a universe of reference that exists in his films only almost like uh is it Sam Raimi's films all have like a, a 68 Oldsmobile or some, yeah. something in it? Or the, the, go ahead. Yeah, and a lot of these movies are movies that are not changing the outcome of history or, you know, like the Blues Brothers is something happens in Illinois and that could have happened. And also this other movie happened and is also real. Yeah. Coming to, coming to America, uh-huh. trading places. Oh, that's fun. All right, uh, Winfield and Manfredi, your third choice is what? So... Uh, Jeff, sir, you and I are of a certain age. Yes. When people talk about The Sopranos having the most divisive TV show uh, ending of all time, uh-huh. I think of Saint Elsewhere. Okay, do you remember the Saint Elsewhere ending? Uh, I don't. No, I don't. Okay, I, I do. Yeah, yeah. So Saint Elsewhere, very popular, very critically beloved um, hospital ER type show. And it ended with the uh, main character, who was the uh, head of the uh, head of the medical director, Doctor Donald Westfall, um, had a kid who was uh, played by Chad Allen, who's on the autism spectrum. And in the last episode, it ends with you showing Doctor Westfall coming into a room, but he's not Doctor Westfall; he's actually a construction worker, and he starts talking t- uh, to his to his dad about what his son had done during the day and starts talking about like, boy, I just don't know what goes through his mind. You know, we talked to him. I don't even know if he can hear us. All he does is stare at that snow globe. I wonder what he thinks about all day. And the snow globe was a model of the St. Elgis hospital that was the basis for St. Elsewhere. Oh, wow. So the whole idea is the entire series of St. Elsewhere was actually just a fiction of Tommy Westfall's mind. Mm-hmm. that he invented all these characters and that everything that happened was just strictly a figment of his imagination. Oh, wow. So the reason I bring this up is because there is now a Tommy Westfall unified theory of television. <laughs> because there have been spinoffs and references to St. Elsewhere over the years. For example, on the TV show Homicide, which was also created by Tom Fontana. Uh. Um, they had one of the characters... Um, played by Alfie Woodard, Dr. Roxanne Turner, years later on Homicide, was a character and showed up and was accused of a murder. Um, And this became the basis of an episode. And the whole idea is, well, if St. Elsewhere was actually a figment of Tommy Westfall's imagination and a character shows up on Homicide, doesn't that mean that Homicide is also a figment of Tommy Westfall's imagination? Mm Mm-hmm. And especially once we get into the concept of John Munch being a figment of someone's imagination, and we've discussed oh, yeah. on the we've discussed on the show previously how many times he's cameoed on other TV shows over the years. Uh, someone has started tracking this, and as of today, there are 441 TV shows oh, wow. that that are now mm-hmm. unofficially part of this Tommy Westfall uh, unified theory of television that all in theory are part of Tommy Westfall's imagination going all the way back to I love Lucy. Oh, wow. I didn't know it went that, that far. It goes that far back. So I just love this idea that this one choice made by this one, you know, one uh, showrunner Uh to end the show in this really controversial fashion has now created this whole potential universe of all of these shows being basically Bob Newhearted Uh and not existing. (laughs) Uh, how do we feel about the, do we think sometimes the universes, uh, have a actual, um, uh, unifying theory <laughs> like, uh, uh, Einstein might propose, uh, for relativity that kind of connects all things, uh, from a physics standpoint, and then other things feel like, yeah, those are fun fan theory. I know, I know we don't, we don't have to judge either way. Do you, how do you, do you ascribe to that? Tommy Westfall verse or do, do you think it's just compelling that all these things could be uh... I think it's just compelling I think it mm-hmm. just kind of like I said it kind of shows that 
one decision can have a butter this butterfly effect yeah that in theory makes you start questioning the reality of these fake shows mm -hmm. you yeah know, where, where do they where does the reality kind of begin and end Mm -hmm. you know, I just, I just love the fact that you can, and, and if you go to the TommyWestfall.wordpress.com, uh, someone has created a giant map that maps out all of the connections between all 441 shows and Tommy Westfall. Wow, it's very Charlie, <laughs> very Charlie trying to, uh, yeah, <laughs> with the the red string and the, the yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, do yeah. do. You, Go ahead, Kaufman. I, I love that. I mean, I, I had thought of, uh, or I remember that theory when I first read about it, it was kind of, you know, blows your mind a bit. And you think, wow, uh, that that Newhart was just a dream. Yeah. Well, this blows that out of the water, right? Yeah. <laughs> although, yeah. although, you know, you could probably do the same with Bob Newhart and say he had a dream about, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. But anyway, uh -huh. <laughs> if you could tie a character to Newhart, then that means that that character is also part of his dream or yeah you know. well you can actually connect uh uh saint elsewhere to newhart yeah so so it's like a double yeah it's a double it's like a double <laughs> double fake reality it's so we're starting to get into like uh time loops and paradoxes uh -huh. and stuff like that it gets a little weird at that point yeah and it could be that well as a kid he watched this other show and that's why that character then came on to saint elsewhere you know exactly because he saw that episode of whatever um but no i, I love that and i love uh, i the i was gonna have the I, I had a potential idea for the the richard belzer monk extended universe as well <laughs> yeah just just choose yeah. him as a character and if his character is on all these shows well then they have to be in the same universe i like the idea though with all of this um uh, ex universes expanding or universes being kind of um, a point that is generated out of the mind of a character. This old China cabinet that is sitting in an actual house is feeling very good to me right now. It's a real, <laughs> it's a real physical China cabinet. Um, but what about the cups inside? That's what I want to know. Where did they come from? What? Well, maybe that's like the wardrobe of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Maybe that yeah. kind of yeah. gets you into Tommy Westfall's brain. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Uh, your last uh, choice for the Mount Rushmore is what, Jim Coffin? Um, So I should have thought of this ahead of time. I'm going to go, because we, we've knocked out everything. Well, I mean, there is one that has to be mentioned, and that's Star Trek. Hey, uh, cool. I mean, yeah, there you go. Yeah. So I'll just go with that. I'll just throw out that Quentin Tarantino's Red Apple Cigarette universe was an idea. Mm. Um, mm. And uh, there's the Rocky Creed universe. But yeah, let's get back to Star Trek. Uh, you know, even, even sort of the relaunch is maybe a separate timeline. So it's still part of the same original Star Trek. I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm assuming you guys have watched more Star Trek than I have. But that's yeah. a pretty extended out universe. Yeah, I was an original series kid as a kid. Yeah. For some reason, my college years and the next generation didn't mesh very well. It was always yeah. something that I, th I felt, I don't know, it was like a little too sci-fi for me at the time or something like that. But uh, I was but the you, exact opposite. I, um, for whatever reason, or it's just, just my age, like Star Trek, just like the next generation came on at a time. What was that? Like late 80s, early 90s. And it was like, you could bang out watching a Star Trek and followed up with like a couple episode of episodes of cops. And it was just like, <laughs> Oh, this is a, this is a great Friday night for me at the age of 12 uh -huh. versus, versus me who only watched William Shatner's tech wars. That's the only <laughs> thing I watched. So <laughs> the purest, the slightly Shatner different. Purest. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, with, with the Star Wars, there's the thing about younger kids who grew up with the prequels first, yeah. maybe even loving them more. Which yeah. Totally oh, for sure. You know, to to the other the original fans, I think Star Trek never quite had that. Like the 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 old fans probably seem to embrace the new show pretty pretty well. Um, but there probably are fans of the new series that like can't watch William Shatner. I I would say that the Next Generation had a more um, idealistic agenda. To it 
I think Gene Rod Gene Roddenberry was trying to make sci-fi on TV sexy and swaggering and tell a, a moralistic tale that uh, couldn't be told straight like Rod Serling used to do in that yeah. there might be uh, one race of aliens that doesn't like another race of aliens. And so you can talk about racism in a way that the sponsors will still support because you're talking about aliens. But, but I feel like the agenda of the next generation was more profound and expanded and more democratic. It was, Oh, uh, for it, sure. It wasn't war based. It wasn't, um, it wasn't colonialism, which is what the original series was. So yeah. Know. Star Trek, the original one, you know, he was, um, Kirk was such as like a swashbuckler almost yeah. just this man of action. And then you, you contrast it with, um, Picard, who was just a, a guy that like sat there drinking tea and like looking out his window and it was mm -hmm. all about he was he was so by the book and you can't go against whatever protocol and um they really did um do a great job of having different um you know the main characters the main captains or admirals or whoever in the various series have were so different from another which i thought was so beneficial um even the um uh, the, uh, is it James Avery that was the uh, Deep Space Nine? Like he was such he was such a powerful um, character. Uh, Avery uh, Avery Brooks. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, of. James Avery is the dad from uh, or his uncle Phil from Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Okay, um, he would have been different. a great. He would have he would have been a great Star Trek. Yeah, <laughs> I would have seen oh that my show. God. Uncle, he Phil might have even like... been in a Star Trek. I have to think about that. Well, you hmm. you know what's what's great? What you just said about. The, the difference between the two is, is that they're still both um, Gene Roddenberry, you know? Yeah. You can later say, oh, well, Gene Roddenberry's dead and now they've really lost the, but that was a major change that, you know, obviously occurred not just while Gene Roddenberry was still alive, but he was running things. Mm -hmm. So clearly. That's on me. Yeah, I, I, I think it just one seemed a little bit more, I also how the next generation, was that 10? 10 seasons i don't know how, how long that that thing ran but trek was only three seasons wasn't it, it was, yeah it was three or four thing. or something yeah. like that yeah yeah uh michael breaking news uh james avery guest starred as general kava in the star trek enterprise ep enterprise fourth season episodes affliction <laughs> and divergence and was also one of the, nailed it was also one of the three finalists for the part of Worf. oh wow yeah. Oh. The newscaster broke into our podcast with that, with that update. <laughs> now we turn, Muppet, uh, now we, Muppet newscaster coming. We now, return, we now return you to your <laughs> shitty podcast already in progress. <laughs> All right, guys. So wrap it up. What's the last uh, of your choices? Okay. Uh, our last choice. And this definitely is, um, I'd only would have ever seen this movie thanks to you, Jeff, but the, uh, what we do in the shadows, oh, little awesome. mini extended universe which started with um you know that mockumentary film that was put out oh so long ago maybe what uh -huh. 2014 2015 i remember getting a a text from you jeff and you're just like you have to watch this <laughs> and it was this vampire movie it was like ah whatever i don't know yeah <laughs> but it's the you know um taika waititi and uh, jermaine clement um new zealand uh, vampire comedy that has spawned a couple of great little tv shows one the what we do in the shadows TV show based on, um, you know, the, uh, on like FX that features other vampires mm -hmm. and the, um, uh, Wellington PD or Wellington paranormal show, which is about like these Wellington, um, New Zealand, uh, cops that kind of go through kind of an X files type experiencing, uh, strange things. And the, uh, maybe potentially upcoming, who knows when sequel ish thing to what we do in the shadows, the movie called were wolves, which is just <laughs> <laughs> my favorite, my favorite thing that just, it's so clever. Uh, it's just, they're just beautiful. I remember when the TV series was going to come out, I thought, ah, oh, they're going to fuck this up. Yeah. They're going to screw it up. This is going to be, this is not going to be the show I want to see because I want to see Jermaine Clement. I want to see Taika Waititi. I want to see. Yeah. I want to see those characters. And then of course it's, you know, um, uh, what's his name as one of the, the heavies, the main people of the, the, the TV series, um, toast of London. Uh, uh yes. Yeah. Uh, 
a name who's slipping my mind, who's so amazing, uh, Matthew Barry, Matt Barry. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, yes, never mind. I'm back in. Oh, 100% yeah. in. And I think what I like about this, you know, obviously my two choices that I talked about the most are both kind of based on the supernatural and vampires, is that they have just this the reins to do whatever they want. Everyone's invited into their vampire world, especially when they had like um, an episode that was like the Council of the Vampires. I was and just, just going to mention that. That sort of yeah. expanded the whole bit, the the what we do in the shadows universe to the entire vampire. Any world. any sort of vampire is welcome. It all makes sense within the universe. It also nothing has has to really make sense. Like there's no rules that they have to follow. Particularly, they invented like the energy vampire for the TV series, who is just such yeah. a drag. You know, uh, everything is so good. And it all was kind of came out of just, yeah, just telling a little documentary, mockumentary vampire story. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think the fact that the first thing that they chose to do or they happened to do was, was like the Wellington PD thing, which focused on like just a couple of like, uh, you know, schlubby cops in New Zealand and have mm-hmm. the weird stuff that happens. I think it was just so ingenious. Yeah. Oh, it's like, great. It was such a, a nice inroad into an expanded universe within. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. That's why that is going as the first choice on the Mount Rushmore. The the Shadowverse. (laughs) Shadowverse. And the rest are Jim Coughlin's. Uh, Uh uh, One, the very original choice of All in the Family. I thought that was really cool. And then as a big Landis fan, um, see you next Wednesday. Verse, And because everything is Star Wars all the time around here, the Mount Rushmore podcast, we'll go with Star Wars. Um, which I could tell that you, you, you knew it was the right choice, but you yourself did not have all the supporting arguments and things <laughs> to put towards yeah. it, but you just, yeah, like, I mean, it's, yeah. yeah, it's a no brainer. These are movies that I watch once or twice, not three times, maybe. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. But you so, know, they're quality. so I want to remind everyone that uh, Jim Coughlin has an album out that you can, uh, get on his website, jimcoughlin.com or is it James Coughlin? It's Jim Coughlin. Jimcoughlin.com. And you can, uh, maybe you can stream it, maybe do all the other things too. Uh, but you should also uh, follow him on social media for daily quips and witticisms that will uh, no get you hooked. Yeah. So I uh, want to thank uh, our guest, Jim Coughlin. Uh, this has been the Mount Rushmore of Expanded Universes. I, as always, am Jeff. I'm Richard. Michael. I'm Jim. He's Jim. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Awesome.